Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. Join us on a deep dive into the heart of what makes writing songs and making music so magical. Let's find out what makes songwriters tick, and along the way, remember why we love music. Welcome to Pitch List. Hey everybody, this is Chris Lindsay and you're listening to Pitch List. Okay, we've been working on this one for a long time. Dana has been chasing him for a couple of seasons. And if there has ever been a more successful writer on Music Row, I don't know who it would be. He has amassed a staggering amount of number one records. 50. 5 That's more number ones than any other writer of any genre. This Kentucky native has won ASCAP Writer of the Year eight times in a row. He currently has six songs on the country charts. Six. By now, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Ashley Gorley. Good morning. I'm really excited this morning. I'm really excited this morning. (laughs) Uh, I've waited a long time to talk to this guy without any further ado. Our guest this morning is Ashley Gorley. How are you doing, Ashley? Hey, good, man. How are you? Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, man. Um, so great to have you. Um, we've, uh, we're on our fourth season of our podcast and I, every season we've done where I think this is maybe our 56th or 56th, seventh show. From the beginning, you are the number one requested writer from people who listen to the podcast that they really? want to hear. Yes. And well, that, uh, that must be a computer glitch there. I don't know about uh, that. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Um, so, again, thank you for doing the show and uh, really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. I, I was thinking this morning because I was re-reviewing your stats last night and this morning early. And I guess my first question to you is – what the hell? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, that's I'm not. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's my first question. What the hell? What's happening over there? What's going on? How does this work? What are you doing? <laughs> I saw a statistic that you um, you have now written 50 number ones. You may have surpassed that. I think you might have. But n- no one in any other genre has done that. Is that correct? I, that's what I'm... That's what I've been told. I haven't done the research, but yeah, uh, 51 right now. And, and, but also it's very like, you know, obviously people have written more important songs that went to number who knows what, you know? So I always take that with a grain of salt as far as like, you know, number ones and stats and things like that. So as long as I'm able to work with artists and, and hopefully take them from, you know, point A to point B where they want to go, then that's kind of what I, what I base it on usually. Is that one of your um, key operating factors is what does the artist need? Um, let think, me help yeah. them get that. Yeah, I think so. And not too, not too scientific, but I think it kind of helps me that I am not, you know, you're never going to see an EP of like me singing or playing. I've never been in a band. I've always wanted to be the person behind the scenes helping, helping people get, you know, the the next song they need, whether it's in their set, their show, their album, uh, something that will get a reaction. And um, I just love songs. I've always been in love with, 
all genres and all songs and always been intrigued kind of by the mystery of like, why is this everybody's favorite song? You know, and I've always tried to, um, you know, I kind of try to write that way, like write a song that I, I think could be somebody's favorite song for whatever reason. And I get, I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of different people. Like I kind of need variety. So I like working with somebody different all the time, you know, whether it's directly with an artist or just with co-writers. And um, in other words, I've had no agenda, but that, you know, kind of the whole time. Um, so I'm kind of good at getting out of the way and, and helping them say what they want to say usually. That's great, man. Well, we got to circle back because you said something really fascinating to me. What makes some what makes a song someone's favorite song? What are what what are some elements you've identified of that? I mean, do you have some ideas about that you could share with us? Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all different, so it depends on the idea. The reason I, I fell in love with country music, I didn't grow up like entrenched in country music or even actually playing instruments or anything like that. I grew up, um, you know being an MTV junkie and always loved countdowns. I'm like, why is this song number 18? What does that even mean? You know, and what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, why is this song? Why do I want to listen to this song every hour? You know, or why is everybody loving this? And, and why does it sound like that? And why is it so awesome? You know, so I mean, just kind of the raw um, desire to figure out what makes that tick. And then, you know, what, what makes a song actually um, be somebody's favorite, you know, for whatever reason. And not that I'm just trying to make, you know, music for a certain group of people or anything like that. But just coming up, you know, I also DJed and did like hip hop R&B tracks all through like middle school and high school. And I was always making playlists and all that stuff before it was so easy to do like it is now with the DSPs and everything where everybody's got a playlist. But I was always DJing the dances and parties and, and, and watching, seeing the reaction you know, the people would have the songs, even like, you know, in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, I was just fascinated with all that. And I would try to put together a list that if we were just hanging out, it'd be playing in the background and it would be great. You know, like the great kind of mood setter. And I kind of thought I'd be on that side of it somehow um, of the business producing or A&R. Once I figured out what that is, then I really figured I would go that way and then started, you know, trying to write once I came to Nashville and uh, fell in love with country and everything that you can talk about in country music and the lyric part of it also. But I was always, I was always very, you know, melodic, not like I can't sing, can't play great, anything like that. But I, I was really hooked on, you know, pop melodies and, um, and R&B and, and the cadence and rhythms of all that stuff and hip hop. So I think, I think sometimes with, with country, uh, when I first moved to town, I know that it was, it was much more lyrical, and then um, I was always trying to push the melodic envelope a little bit, you know, and make sure that, hey, the verse has a great melody, too, and the pre has a great melody. So I kind of combined all that coming from a small town and farming and everything um, that comes along with that. I've done all the stuff in country songs, so I feel like I knew I knew that language really well, but I also knew, um, you know, just like you, you know, a lot of pop and R&B and things like that to where to where it became a good blend of both. And it it became really catchy and also uh you know, well-written lyrically too. So I try to kind of sit in that space. You know, I get really, really picky on melodies and phrasing and stuff like that. That's, that's really fascinating, man. So you, I'm going to, I'm still circling back because it's kind of blowing my mind. I have a, I have a weird, uh, you know, circle. I love it. I love (laughs) it. I'm, I'm really learning something. So I'm thinking what you're saying there is from a young age, you sort of studied how music affected people. Like, Certain yeah, I'll, I'll be like, why is this? Why is this? Yeah, right. 
why is this Bell Biv DeVoe song so freaking awesome? And it would be a right. combination of, you know, and then the older I got, the more I was like, oh, because this, these, this production sounds great. Who produced this? And then I would start to look it up. I'd be like, Babyface wrote all these songs. Like, I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know people besides the artists wrote the songs. And then once I, you know, that was kind of like, I just went for it after that. Once I started discovering that a lot of the same people wrote songs I loved, I never even put that together, you know, till I was 13, 14, 15, 16, and then started really being fascinated by that. You know, it's like, oh, this person wrote this song for Boys to Men with another guy, you know, and then they sing it amazing. Then I see who, you know, who played or who produced it or whatever and started putting all that together. And then I started realizing, okay, this is like a process to make these songs have the right emotion and hit people a certain way. And then I, I just really think about all that kind of when I'm in a writing session, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you are, and you also said that you're kind of a stickler for melody. Yeah. Or very, making very it interesting. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, you know, I love the pop process, like even the Swedish pop melodic system, like all that stuff is kind of locked in my, in my brain. So I kind of use all that from like the Babyface, Teddy Riley, new Jack swing rhythmic thing to like the Max Martin kind of like making sure that everything has a place and it's not just randomly thrown out there. Um, and then also to my favorite country songwriters ever in the lyrics and the ideas that come with that. So I think for some reason that's what's worked is just the combination of, again, not copying any of those people, but just having a background of loving all those different processes has, uh, you know, led to these hits, I guess. Yeah, no, and you're not, yeah, there's no, it's not copying. It's, um, I mean, even the Beatles, most of the songs they talk about that we all love that they wrote, they were aiming for something. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and more, probably more the way that song made them feel than, yeah. you know, I think that's a smart way to go about it. And I've always loved like, hey, what about a really, really country lyric or this type of production mixed with right. this type of melody? And then, and then would love what would come out of that, especially kind of when I started having more of like a run where I'd have like multiple hits was you know, like 2013 kind of on, I had some, some before that and they were really lyrical. Like they'd be just, um, something that I think could affect you emotionally or whatever, you know, in the beginning I was just, you know, I'm, I'm more of a piano player than a guitar player. So I had to get a guitar. So I quit writing ballads. Um, ballads are just the best, you know, you can't beat like a amazing love song. And then I started writing about, you know, real things once I got to Nashville and, and kids and, talking about God and talking about your dad and talking about the way, you know, you grow up and stuff like that. And that's, that's where I really fell in love with the ability to do that with country music. But I would, I would always try to never sacrifice the melody um, for that. And I th think that's what ended up kind of standing out after a while. What, um, what part of the process do you think you do best? And I'm sure because you're a pure writer, like you said, you don't, you don't plan on making your own records. You're not going to do right. So I'm guessing that you're going to answer that you kind of do most of it well because you kind of have to, depending on who you're co-writing with. But if you had a, one strength more than the other, what would you think it would be? Yeah, you know, I mean, when, when I moved to Nashville, I remember, um, you know, almost almost moved to L.A. after I was here for a little bit because, I mean, I know you do as well, but like just love pop music and the different melodic chances you can take with that and the different kinds of production. The, the box is just kind of bigger. So almost did that, but I didn't want to give up on, on the Nashville like – lyric content and what that can be about. I just really loved that and loved, you know, the reaction that country songs got. But um, when I first started writing, I remember people saying like, Hey, if you're in Nashville, you got to be able to do it all. And I just, 
thought that was the rule, you know? So I, I would make sure I could sing a scratch vocal, even though I'm not a singer, I'd be like, Hey, the phrasing has to be like this. And the melody needs to be just like this, but the lyric needs to line up just like this. And the syllable should be like this. So yeah, I always, always thought I had to do all of it. Well, I never tried to like, I can't play a guitar solo, you know? So certain things like that, I just cut out of the vocabulary. Like, okay, I'm never going to do that. I'm hiring a guy to do that or, uh, you know, playing drums and stuff, but I would always have enough of a grasp on all of it to be able to produce, you know, demos and, and things like that. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think the melodies make, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a lyrical genius. Like I don't have a book of poetry sitting around. Um, but I think, I think the prosomy or whatever the word is where you kind of combine the melody and lyric is what I'm good at. Uh, at, you know, sometimes I guess. So oh, yeah. I, mean, I would, I would say, yeah, not like, Oh, I can do it all. But definitely when I write, if I write a lyric, usually a melody comes with it at the same time. So I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those that lay out an entire, here's the melody and then try to make up words to it. It's usually. Oh, okay. All, so you kind of work. It's, it comes together for you. Yeah. It usually it's this, like, if it's like, Oh, an idea, like if, if we land on an idea, say we're brainstorming for an hour or two and then like this idea pops out, um, then I usually can immediately go to the piano or just out loud acapella, whatever, like a melody and lyric would happen at the same time. You know, there's been several, several hits where the first thing I, I play ends up being kind of, what it is top to bottom. Like I'll write 80% of the song in five or 10 minutes and then spend the next, you know, hundred hours um, chipping away at, at, at making it all line up right the rest of it. But I'm one of those that if I don't capture it, which thank God you can record things now on the fly. Like if it was way back in the day, I would not have done very well because I also don't have a good memory. So I'll, I'll maybe hit on something and kind of yell out what I think the whole song should be. If that makes sense. Uh, just yeah. with dummy, dummy words and mumbling. And then, um, I always try to push and see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I'm not, I'm not great at like top down, like where, Oh, let's just start with this one line. It's like, Oh, it could go like this and I'll run it all the way to the end and then fill it all in. Or I'll just throw it away and start another, you know, whole vibe for it. If that makes sense. Um, but I, I, I usually have to have a mic going and a lot of times I write on the microphone, not like with a pad and paper. Mm -hmm. Like I'm borrowing my daughter's computer right now to do this. I don't even use a computer. Um, it's usually just all in my phone and notes. So a lot of times I feel like it has, the magic kind of happens in one, one kind of bolt of lightning and I, I right. capture, capture that all at once. So it, it's, it really, you know, the, the process of, of more like kind of track writing and studio writing, like they do, like they were doing in pop music. I always wanted Nashville to do a little bit, you know, more of that. So you feel like you're making the actual record in the room right there. I always enjoyed that process more than like, writing it kind of on guitar and then going and demoing it a month later and all of that stuff. So once it kind of transitioned to doing everything on the spot, it played into my skill set more because I could capture everything quicker. And you know what? I think you're right, man. I mean, my experience, the real magic of a song, it often flies out pretty quick, you know, five, yeah. 10 minutes. There's a lot of talking that's going on. There's a lot of other stuff happening in the writer's room, but the actual core of it can, it's often, often very quick like that, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not one to sit down and I tell my, you know, we've got several, I've got several writers signed um, to my company and I kind of teach them this too, but like to just sit down and start strumming a guitar and then start singing something. I don't really do it that way. You know, I may do that on piano cause I can change keys quick and stuff like that. But a lot of times it's, 
you know, like just acapella, just out loud. Oh, what if it went like this? Or like if somebody has a bed of music, like a little track going, not, nothing too complicated, but a simple vibe and it goes with the idea, then we can just, you know, kind of go on that back and pass the mic back and forth. Like when I get with somebody else that, that functions that way, then I, I seem to do really well. Like the other artists that kind of just go for it that are as ADD as I am and will chase a million things all at once and then finally land on the, on the thing everybody loves. Um, then that's probably my best, my best working scenario. Now, if you're in a writer's room, will you bounce around with different titles and different ideas? Oh yeah, or- yeah for sure. Because a lot and of sometimes, also, sometimes yeah. people don't like that. You know, some writers. No, oh don't. yeah, no, a lot of people don't like my whole, the whole style I do. I've definitely worked with artists and even had like a number one on them and then not written with them again. Um, well, because that I, seems I, crazy. I, I, talk, I talk a lot and and like really like oh I'm I'm hearing this right now. Let me do this real quick. Let me do this real quick. And and kind of get you know I have to walk around the room. I have to do you know a lot of times I'll write a whole song, and then I feel like that was the warm up. Like the song's like a B. Yeah. And then uh, I've had several hits where they're the second song of the day because once everybody's like kind of comfortable, it's like, okay, that song was okay, but I bet we could do better. So I'm always challenging like, you know, myself and everybody in the room, like, yeah, that was pretty good, but we're not going to go home yet. Let's, let's go one more level past that and just see what pops out. And I think that happens a lot. Like I'm not good at, I'm probably notorious for like, all right, the song song's done. Everybody's probably ready to go home. And I'm like, no, 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 we need to just hang for like 30 more minutes and just, yell out whatever comes to everybody's brain and um a lot of magic i think comes out of that so um that's where i kind of started writing a couple songs you know a day in a session uh especially when when the vibe is there and it's going well and i really like chasing that you know my favorite scenario is to kind of binge on you know be with somebody or a group of people for like two days you know two or three days instead of a a three hour quick slot. You know I mean? I would, I would prefer the little camps and I want it to feel like I'm in high school or college where, I mean, we have a place out here, um, kind of a farm out here where I live. The studio is in the back of the property and it has a little, you know, kind of a little mini apartment attached to it. So people will come out and spend the night, you know, where we all feel like we're, even if we're just writing a song for somebody else, I like it to feel like we're all in a band, you know, living together and, and, and kind of talking, life and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I like those extended camps or bus runs with artists and stuff like that. Cause then I feel like I can really get inside somebody's head and, and take something to the next level. Love it, man. I've been in a lot of rooms where people get uncomfortable when you want to switch, you might be working on something and then you, a line comes out and a better title comes. Oh, you know, every, and, I mean, I would say they don't want to go. They don't want to go. And it's like, Hey, don't, and, you know, I'd say 75% of the time I do that, which does drive people crazy because the first thing is usually pretty, I mean, it's, it doesn't suck. Right. So it's not like right. To, right. You know, some people are like, why are we stopping this one? I'm like, cause there's something better. Right. We can start. And there's several people and I started clicking with uh, groups of, of co-writers that almost love the idea of like, I mean, even several times I remember when a uh, Krista Stefano came to town and we were working on pop stuff in LA and then he moved to Nashville and we would love to like work on something, spend five hours on it, listen back to it, and then say, that's not good enough. Delete the entire session. Like wow. just like get it out of our head and it, yeah. people, you know, it makes people cry, you know, but it's like, we know that's not good enough. And then that next one that we dig into ends up being the hit, you know, just to like not settle. Um, it's such great, it's, it's great advice, man. And then I'll tell you something similar we used to do. Amy came up with this 
um, she called it the 15 minute song. When the riding oh, yeah. session I was over. Too. I do that every time. Yes. When every it was time. over and people start packing up their guitars, she'll go, let's do a song in 10 minutes or 15 uh, minutes. I, I, no, that's funny. That, yes. And, I you can't stop, and the rule is you can't stop. You can't edit. You're going to write a yeah. verse. I'm going to write a verse. And then we're going to go. Let's go. And yeah. then yeah. almost every time that song's better than the one we just yeah. spent five I mean, hours That's on. what I think too. And I, I do think that's, a lot. I didn't know she did that, but that's, that's definitely a secret. If you can learn that. And I tell my guys that too. I think that's that's really fun to stop thinking at the end. Yeah, you know. So my yeah, goal is never, yeah, and the goal is never to get a song finished. I think that's a mistake. You know, people make when they come to town. Yep. It's like, oh, I finished this song. It's correct. It's like, okay, yep. so did so did like five hundred other people today. So what are what are we going to do that would make anybody care about this song? Right. Um, and then yeah, a lot of times it's that second one, and sometimes it's like like you said, it's a ten minute song, but then we get back on it maybe another session or spend the rest right. of the night you know, working on it and whittling it away to try to make it as, as perfect as we can. But yeah, I love the energy of just like, bam, just going for it right there. Almost like you're, you set a timer, like you said, for 10, 15 minutes and try to get all the way to the end. Um, yeah. Because I've got it, to have those parameters, you know, it gets, it gets, I think what it does is it gets you out of the way. It like, yes. you, you can't write it anymore. You, because right. like you said, you can make a song perfect. There were 500 other written that day. That's right. And you need a magic song, man. You don't yeah. need a good song. And magic's really a different animal. You can't really work your way into magic, in my opinion. You know, yeah. you can't. And no. But, but you can these, find it. You can put in the time to, to let it happen and to find it. And I, I, right. I, do, I do tend to do that. And I do ask questions throughout the, like when we finish a song, I'll be like, okay, why do I care about that? Why does anybody care about this song? You know, like why would somebody leave it on the, station why would somebody put it in their set and that is the thing also you know especially in country music the live show is what makes it go around you know i know everybody's dying to get back to that hopefully this summer but uh, when i started going out with artists on the road and and watching the set then i started kind of writing from more of a perspective of like okay if i was the artist what would i want to play if i was in the band what would i love you know if i was mm -hmm. in the studio we were cutting this song would it be boring you know so i kind of go through through not like I go through a checklist, but in my head, I ask a lot of those questions. I think some people don't. And that's what a lot of times gets it, you know, gets kind of the hit factor in there. When you start thinking about, okay, why would this person want to sing this for the next 12 years, you know, 20 years, hundred years, whatever, you know, right. why, why would, um, why would this be fun in the studio? I always think about everybody involved and what could, you know, what would, would this turn somebody on, whether it's a lyrical thing, a melodic thing, a production thing, whatever it is, what's the special element here that, that would make this stand out. And I really try to try to chase that. Yeah. And it's worked. I'm looking down here and I can't even believe I'm, I'm counting one, two, three. It's, you have, you have seven current singles right now. Is that correct? I honestly don't know. Oh Lord. Um, well, yeah, I think you do. It's, no, that could be true. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's crazy, man. I mean, really, it's the only way to have, you know, the success that I've been, you know, fortunate to have is is because I have, I like so many different types of music and different vibes of songs. So the only way to have that, you know, a lot of number ones in a year or a lot of hits at the same time is, is to write a lot of different kinds of songs, you know, especially the way songs right. now is different. You know, you got somebody's song, that's the whole year. You know, they're working that record for a year, um, which is crazy compared to when I, first move to town, it would be like 12 weeks and they get to go to the next one. So that has also changed the way I write it because, you know, I, th I think 
used to it'd be like, well, this would be this have a great spot on a record, and this could be a single that could maybe fill this slot. But now it's like I want to have the one that stands out that they, you know, is worthy of being worked for a year. You know, somebody playing this out for you know two years just to try to get it up the chart, and where people won't get tired of it. So there's a couple of new elements like that I think that have been introduced with how slow radio moves right now, where it's like, okay, is there a burn factor? Like, do I want to hear this a million times? Or would I just want to play it for somebody? That's a cool song, you know? So I think that is a different goal I have. What are the the different elements involved in that? I've never thought of that, but you're absolutely right. Uh, It's going to go for 40 weeks or what, 35, 50 weeks? Oh, I I had one. I mean, there's been songs that go for 60 weeks, I think. Okay, yeah. The song that was my 50th went for 50 some over a year, you know, like, wow. And you're right. That's a new conceived and given birth in that amount of time, you know, and had a, had a kid running around. So it's a, it's a very, it's a long time. And I also feel the artist pain in that. So I always want to make it extra special if I know they're going to have to stand behind it for that long. So a lot of that is melodic. Like, are there enough little, little melodic turns and little things where like, you know, kind of like you watch a TV show. If it's a TV show, you can watch over and over and over. Or if it's something you want to see once and, and then never never see it again. So I always aim for those shows and movies that you can watch nine or ten times and maybe see something different. Oh, I didn't know he, I didn't know this lyric mm. meant this the first 150 times I heard it, or I didn't realize this melody was as catchy or the, you know, it's just lots of little things. Whether it's yeah. an outro lick, a pre-chorus that's a little more melodic than it than it had to be rhythmic things that are really repeatable that you just don't get tired of. Um, again, there's no exact science for that, but I, I do write with those things in mind. You know, would I get tired of hearing this song after a week? I had never thought of that, man. That's a great, that's a great observation because it, it affects everyone, the program directors, the radio people, the people that are listening, they're yeah. all involved in how, how long that record's going to be there and what's going to happen with it. Um, yeah. I, n- I never want to be the song that the artist has to, um, doing their set that they're like, oh, here we go again, you know? And I know those are out there, and I probably have some of those, honestly, that people are tired of, of, of playing, but I, I try to aim for, you know, picturing them 10 years from then still being energized, you know, a little bit of a timeless quality to it right. where I think it'll work, you know. And I also write like that, you know, and especially back uh, several years ago when um, country got kind of more rhythmic, more melodic, then I would think, okay, let's push the envelope enough to where this – still feels fresh if you hear it, you know, seven, eight years from now. Um, always trying to do something new, something familiar and something new, you know, in the song where it's like, oh, this, this sounds like I've known it my whole life. And then also it sounds like I've never heard it before, which sounds weird, but. No, that's another great, that, we got to stop on that one. That's another great writing note. Yeah. I, I've never heard that said that way. And it's great. You do. You need traditional familiar especially in country you need yeah. those familiar elements yeah but you do need something new you need them both yeah, so it's like movies or tvs or books it's like okay yes. so the the good guy is going to beat the bad guy or the guy's right. going to get the girl but what makes this you know a little bit better what makes the plot you know what's the twist what's the emotion in the song that you haven't heard before Right. You know, I was taught that too. I was really mentored really well because I interned at publishing companies, you know, for years and then worked at a great publishing company at Hamstein Music when they were just crushing it. You know, as an independent, I had great writers over there. Tom Shapiro, Tony Martin. Yep. Um, you know, all those guys, I would get to hear the work tapes through the wall. And I would always, I would always pick out that, um, you know, from those songs, 
there seemed to be one different little emotion, you know, maybe it's like jealousy in this song or it's like, you know, I don't know, just some, some kind of different, different emotion. And, and there's writers right now that are really, really good at that. Um, just tapping into a, a slightly different emotion or a slightly different, you know, way to say something. So I'm always trying to, trying to reach for that and have like a, a good repeatable money line in there. You know, once a lot of times I've written a song around whether I say it or one of the co-writers say it, if I feel like it's a really sticky line um, in a chorus, you know, maybe not even the title, but just that one line that you can hear everybody kind of yelling and mm-hmm. singing along to, like I'm always trying to find a couple of those, you know, drop a couple of those in there. Another great note, man. Man, your analytical skills are off the chart. Uh, I'm starting to get a feel here of what's going on. Okay. Yeah, that dip, little bit, when you hear a new song and it's it's just sort of dove down quickly into a little bit different of an emotion that you hadn't heard expressed before. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, yeah, like, that's yeah. a thrill. It's a thrill when you hear it. And, it, and it, it's something to sort of hang on to the song. And, you know, again, it's like push, you should, writers should go out there and, you know, try to find those things that people haven't said or done or talked about. Yeah, we spend, uh, I mean, we spend significantly more time in a session doing that than actually just like trying to correctly compose the song, if that makes sense, you know, and if there's not, mm-hmm. if that's not in there, then we'll try to add that somehow, you know, and the, and the best songs, I mean, sometimes it's just a right down the middle, you know, you got it, but um, we always try to try to put a couple of those little lines in there. Even, even when it's like, Hey, we're going to circle up in a field and party. You know, what are you saying in there that I haven't heard before? What's a little flip, you know, right. Well, I come with it up with it or somebody else does. We had a, we had a song that Chris Lane had number one on that I wrote uh, with Hunter Phelps, Jameson Rogers and Hardy called, I don't know about you. And that title is just, you know, that's an okay title, but sure. the flip, the flip on it getting, once we figured out the flip to kind of get into that song, um, tell me everything. So there's nothing I don't know about you. I was like, okay, that's cool. I haven't heard it like that. But then once Hardy and those guys had the line about a, um, what's your wrist tattoo? Bible verse say, or there's some, I don't even remember what the line is, but there's something in there. Where I was like, Oh, that, I've never heard that like that. That's going to be like the line. Right. You know? And then I was right. like, okay, that, that just makes it sound um, like a hit because he's just talking to a girl at a bar, like right. five thousand other songs, but you got to, you know, if you're going to do that, that's fine. But what, what are you saying in there that, um, you know, that hasn't been said exactly that way. And that mm-hmm. carried that whole song, you know, to me. Yeah. And it's also setting up that it's a fantasy scenario that the listener kind of wants to plug themselves into, just like a movie. When we could go to the movies, there was a new movie every weekend. Right. It's really the same movie. You know, it's like toothpaste. It's like new and improved. And music's like that, too. It's really the same type of stories, but you just have to go find those new elements, you know? Yes. Yeah, that's that's, that's a great way to say it. So we always kind of strive for that. And that's a cool thing about country, too, reason I'm – love country music is because it's a little more reality. I always think of like um, a lot of pop music is like superhero movies, you know, and then, you know, fantasy and then country, you have to actually get to do the reality. So you can actually say exactly the way, you know, you grew up and maybe it's something that you think only you did. And then you find out millions of other people did it too. We had a, there's a Blake Shelton song. um, They got number two, unfortunately, not number one called I lived it. I know and that, song. that 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 came great song. From, uh, you know, Red Aikens, Ben Hayslip, uh, Ross Copperman, and myself. I mean, we, me and Ben and uh, Rhett, were just talking about things. You know, the way we grew up, kind of just 
saying lines like on voice memo and just kind of talking and recording it. And then that turned into a writing session. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know anybody else did this. You know, we have some crazy stuff in there. Like you have to either you experienced it or you got to Google it, you know, like Mm -hmm. I always like to put stuff in there where like, I'm never afraid to put a line in there that maybe some people don't know what it is, you know, like rap's really good at that. I think where they'll say Mm -hmm. something, it's like, what is that? And then it makes you almost want to look up, right. You know what it is. And then it's awesome, you know? So, um, I love that about country that you can just be that authentic and say things that, you know, maybe you only think you're going through or only, only your family did these crazy things. And then you find out everybody did, you know, that's always a cool thing. It, I love what you're saying. It's, it's great advice. We have a lot of, a lot of people listen to the podcast are writers and a lot of them are starting out their, uh, writing or maybe just moved to town or maybe thinking about moving to town. They're going to love this. Um, I did have all my, you already touched on a little bit, but I had it on my list of questions. So you worked at a couple publishing companies, right? Out, oh, right I, had, I interned at like six. I mean, I got yeah. some weird intern award at Belmont because <laughs> I wouldn't stop interning. I like broke the system, did it as a freshman, whatever, because I just wanted to know what it was. Once I took a publishing class, which I didn't even know what that word meant. Um, then I was pretty obsessed with that. And I knew I wanted to be a publisher just as long as I knew I wanted to be a writer. Um, and that's another unique thing. Like it wasn't like an afterthought of like, Oh, I should sign some writers to make extra money. It was always a goal of mine to have a company and to run it because I can't, there's not enough time in the day to get all the, all the stuff in my head out. And I was always, um, honest with myself about like, Hey, I can't, I'm not going to write everything. Like I want to get people that can say more things that I would never think of, you know, and mentor. I always wanted to be mentored. I always wanted to be mentored and be mentoring somebody at the same time. I think that's a really good place just in life in general where um, you're learning from somebody and you're teaching somebody and that keeps it all fresh, you know? So I've got a lot of guys and girls now that, you know, writing better stuff than I am. And I get, I get to hear all those songs. I'm like, Oh gosh, I've never heard that. That's amazing. So I'm going to send that to so-and-so like I love now the phase of life I'm in, I I, I probably get more satisfaction out of getting one of these writers um, to have a hit, you know, than getting Mm -hmm. one myself. And that's a really good place for that. I think that's been the key to the whole thing. I have to be doing like 10 things at once to, to be doing anything. And, um, that's kind of the good place for me to be in, you know, is yeah. to be listening to other writer songs, producing a little bit, um, writing a little bit, playing a little bit, you know, just everything kind of at once. And it, it keeps me learning. I get to hear a lot of, um, new songs, some of our writers and the writers are doing so amazing, uh, that we have. And like I said, are saying stuff that I would never think of. And that's just fun to be able to be a part of those songs too, as a publisher and, and send, mm-hmm. you know, best song wins. And sometimes we send three songs, to somebody, and I'm not on any of them, you know, and that's totally fine. Uh, so that, that process I think helps, you know, keep, keep things fresh and keep things new. And I'm obsessed with new music Friday and what's the next thing somebody's going to put out of any genre, you know, not just country. Right. And just, I'm, I'm always intrigued like, Ooh, what, you know, who's going to put out a song that knocks me out, you know, this week. And, um, I think that's a key too, is just to be a lover of music list, continue to listen to music, new music, um, to never think you have it figured out is kind of the place that you need to stay in. I think you're right. Cause you can't actually get it figured out. Going back to you as a publisher. Um, when you sign a new writer, do you have, uh, 
little things you look for when you're rider? Do you know when you meet with a rider or can you, can you decide pretty quick if you're going to want to work with them or not? Or do you yes. go through a dating process? How does that work for you? Like a speed dating process. Yeah. I mean, it depends. Um, we're, we're batting a thousand with our riders right now. I never wanted to like sign 50 riders and hope two of them work. If I'm going to put that, I'm very hands on. So I'm actually mm -hmm. listening to the songs they turn in, having a meeting, you know, every, I talked to uh, Blaine Rhodes and Kelly Bolton who, who work at tape room um, daily, you know, so it's, I probably drive them crazy because there's always more goals and we got to get this, we got to get so-and-so in with this person. It would be perfect. And just finding those, those matches. So yeah, they're, they're, you know, we get pitched riders a lot or riders come by. Some of them are amazing. Like there's been riders that we've turned down that I knew were going to get hits and then they go on and get hits. It just might not be, you know, that they're the right fit. My the right fit, like, right. Yeah, and I'm not great at co – like, I'm a basketball uh, junkie too. So, I always – I like coaching high school ball, maybe a little college, not like pro. So, if somebody's already a complete veteran writer and they've kind of arrived and they, they think, well, that, I'm just going to keep doing what I do, then we're not great at working with them. We like – I love taking – You like to develop people, help yeah, people. absolutely, absolutely. And then my whole goal is, you know, I was in town for 11 years before I had a hit, seven years out of college. And that's, I'm that's trying to cut, I'm trying to help them cut that hey. seven year window down to like a year, you know, as quick as I can. And I, I think we're able to do that and play them songs, you know, like today I've got writers coming in after I do this, uh, just to kind of set goals for the new year and I'll play songs and they'll play me songs and we'll just critique them and kind of, uh, you know, I look at it like coaching, you know, so that's really fun. Cause I know they're going to, they're going to come in with some great stuff and some stuff that's not great. And we're very honest about that. If you talk to the writers, it's definitely like, Hey, nobody cares about any of these songs. Like I got to have something that somebody right. can dig their teeth into, not like in a mean way, but like in a very honest way. And I think that's, that's important out of the gate instead of just being like killer. This is great. This is awesome. This is a smash. It's like, ah, uh, this is close, but it didn't really, you know, you didn't really get there. And this is why, you know, mm -hmm. so we get really involved in that. And I think that's really important for our writers and it's, it's been, been a good scenario, you know, for them, I think along the way. I think it's a great thing to teach them because you have to be able to analyze your stuff. If you can't do that, you can't get them any better. Yeah. And they, and we don't really work with anybody that, um, that shuns that, you know, because it just wouldn't be a good marriage there. So our writers mm -hmm. know, you know, and it may take a little while. They may come in and be like, dude, this is a smash. Send this to Thomas Rhett. And I'll hear the song and I'll be like, okay, so if Thomas Rhett walked in right now, you would sit down at the board and play this over the speakers and tell him he should put this out over everything he's written and over everything in town. And they'll be like, ah, oh, maybe not. Right. Once we get one of those, then I'll send it to him. You know, and that is just a quick learning curve because there's no JV, you know, in songwriting or there's no, That's right. you know, there's no That's G right. league or whatever you want to call it. You're up against the pros from the day you moved to town. And that, that's, that's really um, difficult, you know, a difficult thing to, to learn and realize. And so I think the, the sooner you know that, not to be, you know, you still got to write and, and I, don't, I don't ever put anybody in a corner where they feel like they can't succeed, but you definitely kind of introduce them quickly to the competition and know what they're up against and also tell them they can do it, you know? Um, so it's a good combination. The success story, I mean, mine is, I didn't know anybody in town. My parents aren't in the business. I, had, I didn't know anybody in Tennessee when I moved here. So it can be done, you know, so you give them that, the motivation and just the, the proof that, Hey, if you work your butt off and if you're great, then these, these will get heard. They'll work. You know, you'll have a hit.
and and also but it also is really really tough at the same time and so are you putting you know did you go home too early today you know what are you doing tomorrow why are you taking a day off you know it's like it is um it is a work hard um play hard kind of environment you know put in the work and you get to celebrate and so all our writers are very much on they love that and they're they're not afraid to work and uh and tweak and change things and and go in so i think that's really really key is not to get married to what you have um in a song and and be like oh this is perfect you know and and be open to Mm -hmm. criticism and stuff so they they're all very open to that thankfully and i love to you know provide that and to try to pull the best out of them well they're getting an invaluable education i mean that's it's hard to find all that in one spot um that's really incredible Thanks for listening, everybody. Pitch List will be right back. And it is, you know, I think it's great for younger writers to hear. I mean, I always say it, but if you, I, if you drive down by Big Loud Shirt at, say, 7 o'clock on Friday night, right. you're probably going to see Wiseman's car out there. Right. You know, and it's and not it, like he needs uh, another hit, right? No. Uh, and it, I'm, it, I'm guessing yeah. you're the same. It's like you, you got to, you have to work, right? We like, even strategically chose, like we rent the top floor of the smack building. Obviously Shane McAnally is amazing. Him and Josh Osborne are in there and they're, mm-hmm. I mean, some of the best I think that have ever, that have ever done it. And then across the street, you've got big loud who are just, crushing it and so it's like hey even in the building like you can't even park at our building (laughs) and not and not be feel challenged and be like oh shoot just on this block i've got to really step up today to even get a song that anybody cares about and so we love even that physical location of just seeing what all's going on there and like you said seeing craig's car over there and seeing um Seth England working nonstop and them, them having built that label and Hardy and everybody that's earnest, everybody that's over there coming up and then Shane and Josh and everybody, they've got there too. Just, just in that one little, you know, across the street space, you, you realize, you know, what, that there's a lot of potential there that you can do it because these guys have done it. Uh, but also mm-hmm. that they're trying to do it that day too. So uh, it's, it, I think it's a healthy, you know, competitive kind of, you know, step up your game vibe over there. Oh yeah, that's a that's a pretty uh, heavy corner of Music Row. That little intersection right there. That's a lot a lot of talent sitting on those (laughs) little four corners. And you know, you mentioned Josh Osborne, who's just an incredibly talented and and what a sweetheart too. Oh, and the funniest guy in America. Yeah, just all the way around. And uh, you, I made a note here. So it was eleven years for you before your first hit, right? Well, from when I moved, and I'm counting four years old. Yeah, college. So maybe seven. I, I had seven years with a deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's with a deal, like being good enough jo- to actually yeah. have a deal. And Josh was 12, I think. Right. Yeah, we have, we, we have very similar um, stories. Yeah. We actually wrote, I think I was even still in college. We did like a song or two just on a random blind date, right? We were both, you know, mm-hmm. no good. You know what I mean? But, but kind of we're after uh, the same kind of thing. So I, I've known him forever and he's, I know he's, music or whatever songwriter. I mean, he has more songs out than anybody right now. He's so good. And I love being around all those people and I'm really support. I love, you know, I love sending a text or calling and being like, dude, this is like the best thing I've ever heard. Like I'm definitely not afraid to do that. I don't get mad about that. I love, you know, I want to have the song out, but when I get, you know, beat by some of those guys, then, 
it's like, dang, they're just so good. I'm so like impressed and enthralled with everything that they're doing too. So I think right. that's a healthy way to kind of keep it, keep it right. all going. Right. So you, but you're, you, you're competitive, but you love the people around you and you respect the work they do and you feel inspired yeah, by it. I want to work with them, you know? So right. yeah, well, it's, but it's you weird. are, but you also are very competitive, right? Yes. Yeah. You yeah. could not, you couldn't not be competitive. No, correct. Opinion. Yeah. I want to win a, you know, board game. If we're playing, you know, if we're playing sequence, I want to win. Or if we're playing a super Mario with my, uh, you know, daughter on Nintendo or something, I want to win that too. It's just fun to win. Right. You know, not, not in an unhealthy way, but if we're playing a pickup basketball game or if I'm trying to write somebody's song, I love, I do love the feeling of getting your song chosen and thinking that you did the job. Like I, I do like that. Like, okay, I got this artist, an impactful, not just like a number one, whatever, you know, that, that happens to get up there somehow, but something that, that holds a place in their, in their top, you know, right. Top chest of drawers there for their, for their songs. That that's a really satisfying thing to me. So that's why it's less, you know, money based and less statistic, even if the stats are there, less statistic based. I never was like, Oh, I'm going to hope I get this many songs or get in this club or whatever the thing is. I, I just always wanted to, you know, do an A plus job for, for whatever. And I think that's just a work ethic and all those guys um, have that, you know? So th like mm -hmm. you said, there is a definitely winning is fun. However you define it. Um, when we have a writer, you know, we had Matt Jenkins out of Blake Shelton um, number one, and I don't have anything on Blake, you know, this time around, but that song was perfect. So for that song to come out, uh, which he actually wrote with Josh um, and Ross. So I, I love that satisfaction of being like, Oh yes. Like, you know, one of our writers had a hit. They picked that song. They actually put it out and made it all the way. Like that whole process is still magic to me. It never, it never gets old. Like the process from the, the uh, writing room or studio all the way to the radio and all the way to the show and to the, you know, award show. Do you know when you're in the writer's room, do you have a pretty good idea when you're done, if you're going to get that song cut, if it's going to be a hit or, you know, a single? Yeah. Well, different questions i guess um, it's funny because people have asked me before because some people do say like oh i have no idea and i'm not that way i think i do have an idea of like when i'm in there i'm like this is actually huge now sometimes sometimes i leave the room and say like i don't know if somebody will put that out i don't know if it'll get there but if they do i think it'll work and that's about all i can do because you know something can happen you can put out a song a love song and then the you know they break up the next day and that's out of your hands <laughs> you know whatever right. whatever right. the situation kind of changes but um, I do take pride in thinking, you know, when we really, when I really think I have something and a lot of times I don't think that, you know, even if the song is good, I don't, I don't think it's like a mega hit or smash or whatever, but I, I do have a good sense about like, Hey, I think this could be big. Um, if we get on something like that. Have you been surprised by a song before that you didn't think much about and then turned out to be big? Uh, I won't make you, I won't make you say a title. Not, not completely shocked. Probably. I mean, sometimes uh, that probably sounds bad, but like, you know, sometimes you have a song and it's a new artist, so you don't know. Right. You know, like if you have a song that you're pitching for yeah. Blake and then Frankie Ballard cut it and I was like, Oh shoot. And, I, and then all of a sudden the cut comes back and you hear it and you're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know this was like, this sounds amazing. This could actually be a hit. And then it comes out as, and then it becomes a number one. Like there's some scenarios like that um, that have happened that are really, you know, that are really cool. Um, or where you write a song with an artist and at the time you didn't have anything going. And then, you know, two years later, it's like they're killing it. And then, then all of a sudden you get the second single, like those scenarios happen. 
Um, but again, I think in the room right then, then, then we do love what we're doing and we think it, it has potential or we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't finish right. it. <laughs> right. No, I, yeah, exactly. It's like most writers like their songs or they wouldn't have done it or finished them. Yeah. Like, um, like the, the I lived it yeah. song on Blake that I talked about a minute ago. Yeah. Like I didn't think that sounded like a single. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a real raw kind of demo uh, work tape thing. And it was very personal. And then that became a single. So yeah, that's happened before. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know they, they would pick that. Or like, I'm surprised right. by a single choice. And then I'm like, Oh, right. actually that, that makes sense or something or <laughs> more than that, something that I think is a no brainer hit. And then it dies at, you know, 40. So that happens too. So you got to yep. have the thick skin for that. So, um, you know, different scenarios and promotion things start to play into it. You can't control that. So we just control everything that we can. Well, let me ask you this question. Definitely. What percentage of your writing sessions are artists or artists are in the room? Um, well, I mean, it's changed obviously over the years. It goes from zero <laughs> to trying to earn. That's something I think you really have to earn. That's one thing I tell our new writers too, where they're like, Hey, let's, let's get a day with Carrie Underwood. And I'm like, dude, in order to do that, I had a single on her, you know, I had her second single. That was my first number one. And then because I had that hit, I got one day with her you know, for the next album that day we wrote a number one. And then after that, you know, after a few years, then it started to be where I can work with that artist a little more regularly, but it's just something I never take those days for granted. Now it may be half and half, I'd say. Okay. Um, half the time where we're just trying to write the best thing in the room. And then, and then half the time very much targeted, you know, and then some sessions are like, say the artist isn't there, but we're trying to write something we think Morgan Wallen would love. Right. Uh, then that, that, those are days too. So yeah, it's probably like, you know, even if, if you listed whatever hits I've had, it's probably half and half as far as songs written with the artist and then songs that were outside uh, songs. So that balance I think keeps, keeps happening more and more. I love getting in with the artist because then I can hear their story, hear what's going on and it helps. You know, I love having a target if possible, but some days it's really fun. I wouldn't want to do it. You know, I wouldn't want it to be 10 to zero, you know, the other way. I like having days where we're just aiming and brainstorming and I love doing the camps with artists too. So um, it's probably half and half now these, you know, as far as my calendar. And I know we're kind of in a different thing with the zoom writing now, but do you, do, are you pretty prolific? I mean, do you write five days a week? Is that typical for you yeah. or twice a day or do you write a lot of songs or? I don't, I used to, you know, there was a time I would do, um, I mean like two full songs sessions a day you know what i mean i would try to go nine to one and then one to five or whatever wow. now i try not to do two completely different sessions but a lot of times i'll get two songs in that session and just keep the focus i like that better than just bouncing like crazy um but yeah i would i would say all right i mean this past year i wrote more songs than i have in several years you know in 2020 which sounds strange but um there's so many artists trying to write and so many people you know there's yeah. what else yeah. are you going to do right and so, and so I, this year was really really good for us as a as a company really bad. I mean, my family got COVID and it was a, it was a dark time there for a while, oh, Lord. um, a couple of months ago. Uh, but even in that, when we were quarantining and we'd be, say we're in Florida, then, uh, all of a sudden, you know, I feel like we tapped back into a thing that I was doing when we first started writing, which is get on the phone with people and brainstorm or like writing a session at 8 AM or doing a session at 10 PM and just like going for it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so there's something magic about, about all that and coming back to the, you know, purity of just writing and talking with your buddies and, and new rights and things like that. 
Um, so yeah, I have to, in order for me to have success, I have to write a ton of songs. You have such good advice because you just have to let go of that idea of, Oh my God, we're on the song. This is it. Also what happens to me a lot. Um, and in several of like the hits or number ones happen where we're writing one song and then somebody has like a verse line. That's really good. Yep. And like that should be a whole other song yes. that happens like more times than I can count where it's like push pause on that song. Mm-hmm. Um, go back and write, you know, the entire song based on this other concept that just popped out and then go back to the first song and finish it too. You know, so I'm never afraid to be like, okay, hold on a minute, hold that whole thought we've been working on for four hours and let's write a whole song with the title you just said, you know, um, that's happened, you know, several times happened on a, a Cole Swindell song that we were writing. Both songs ended up getting recorded, but the hit was the one where we pushed pause somebody said uh, the line with middle of a memory in there. It was just part of a verse of this other song. It's still in the other song. And then we wrote a whole song based on that concept. And that ended up being the, the big hit, you know, of the day. Wow. Wow. Seldom is it like, here's an idea, go, I'm done. I'm going home. It's usually like, you know, kind of really digging, you know, more often than not, it's just continuing to dig and start and changing it from a ballad to an uptempo and just trying all kinds of different stuff until you find that magic like you were talking about. That's kind yeah, of- Yeah, I'm just, I'm line. always looking for this feeling, you know? Yeah. And if I, if, until I get that feeling, I'm just going to be, like you said, I'm yes. going to be bouncing off the, every, I'll yeah. make it fast, slow, change the keys, whatever I can do. I got to get that feeling because, you know, when yeah. you get that feeling, man, it's just pure joy. I mean, the whole, it just oh, no. writes itself yeah. and it's not- that, Yes, that's what makes work. it worth it. Yeah, that's what makes it worth it for sure. And that's why I love doing it. Cause I know that feeling is, you know, it could happen today at two o'clock or it right. might not, you know, or tonight at midnight. Um, and like you said, you just have to, you have to give yourself time to find that. And a lot of times I don't think that happens in the first hour of, you know, the first idea that gets, that gets thrown out there. You know, even, uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was working with um, Jordan Davis on something and it was probably, you know, four thirty by the time that, somebody said an idea that I thought sounded like a hit and we'd worked on good songs until then, even right. songs we think could be hits. And then we had to throw those away and chase, uh, chase the new thing. Like you said, it just wasn't giving you the vibes. It wasn't giving me or us or him. He's good at knowing too, you know, these artists are great writers. Um, and you can just tell, you know, you're looking at them, they're singing it back. It's like, all right, this is kind of mechanical. This is not doing anything. Let's bounce and chase something different. Do you, do you usually walk in cold or do you come in with things sometimes titles or pieces of music? If I don't, then uh, I try to write with people that do, you know, like I'm, okay. I'm running low right now on my, you know, been doing it so long that I love writing with people that I think would have fresh ideas. And right. then a lot of times they'll say an idea and it'll make me think of an idea. So I have to work with people that aren't afraid to say bad titles and lines, right. you know, kind of like, the unwritten rule is just like, Hey, say everything you're thinking. Like, just go say it out loud. I don't do really well with people that are really quiet and then say like a whole verse. You know what I mean? I do uh, know what you mean. I've I'm not with those fond people. of it myself. I've had hits with those people, but I'm like, dude, say what you're thinking because what if yeah. you, what if you said that? And then I thought of this whole other thing, you know? So just like, even if it's dumb, say it. And so, um, those are the, the most comfortable situations where yeah. nobody's afraid to, you know, even if it's just like a one a noun, you know, you say, what about a song called car yeah. or t-shirt or whatever, which has happened. We're like, we literally just say, say things we see around the room. And then what could that be about? And then start thinking, you know, that's so great. That that's so great. Yeah. yeah. I, I've had that happen when you write with someone and everyone has their own process, 
but they want to sit there for literally like 45 minutes and work out a whole verse on their own. Yeah. And man, I, I just, I'm just under the table, man. I, I, I hate that. Yeah, I don't do that. I don't, I, I don't care for it either because it's like either I'm going to wait and then see what you've got, or I really don't want to go off on my own because I don't right. know what, I mean, yeah. it's, I just, it's horrible. And what? you can, some guys are brilliant that do that. Oh, that I know. Virtual, I know. But I'm just, that's not going to be the most fun vibe for my No, day, I'm with you. you know? Because I'm not with only, you. for me, it has to be fun, which sounds funny to say, but. No, no, no. It's hard work. Key. If I'm like, if I'm, if I ever start doing it, and I'm not having a good time doing it, then I'll, then I'll duck out, you know? I don't think it'll be good. I don't think you write good stuff if you're not, I don't, I don't see, I don't think you could do some great work if you weren't having if you weren't fulfilled maybe right. maybe you're not having the word fun if you're there's some scenarios i can think of but but still you should be enjoying it or yeah. it's not going i mean sometimes right. or maybe you're enjoying the song but then that second verse or there's one right line that takes hours to get right and even in a weird way that's kind of fun too you know just yeah. like until you until you hit that target and so um yeah i really i really enjoy the process i can't imagine not doing it regardless of how many hits or whatever, just as long as I feel like I have something to bring to the table. Would you say, and I've talked to a lot of successful people who are this way, and I think it's key. That's why I want to say it. Would you say you would do this even if you weren't being paid for it? Um, yeah, that's always a funny question because, uh, yes. Maybe not full time. And we all have kids and we'd have to take care of our kids, yeah, but I mean, I, you'd still I, be doing I, it. I enjoy, yeah. Or if like I, if I thought I would get paid and I had to give the money away, like that would be fine too. I love, you know, the money and the hit, those are just good carrots, you know, for me that are kind of dangling out there. I don't like wake up like if I have a day off um, or if I'm on a trip with the family or whatever, I can definitely turn it off. Right. You know? Um, but then again, if I'm here conversation, if we're, you know, if we're out, um, you know, walking around in Europe or who knows what we're doing and, and then something sparks an idea, I'm definitely going to go, duck in a corner and, and do a little 10 minute voice memo. I mean, that happened a lot when we were quarantining. Uh, we've got a place down on 30A. And there's a couple songs that are coming out soon where, you know, we're playing cornhole with a bunch of people at 10 o'clock at night and something just hits me and I just go record it right then. And then the next day I'm calling people like, hey, somebody jump on this, you know, tell me what to do with this. I think this is something special. And so I'm always kind of thinking like that. Um, you know, and, and thinking of it throughout the night and whenever, you know, but uh, there are always little scraps and I just try to find good situations to, to put it together. So, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I think I would still do it. I, I feel like I also, I'll always work in it, whether I'm, you know, whether I'm the guy writing the song or whether I'm putting together good camps and I'm kind of overseeing it, or I'm kind of ducking my head in if my writer has been working on something two or three hours and try to throw in a little advice or just getting to listen to it. I just want to be around it in all phases. Um, anytime I can, you know, the more, more things like that I can touch then the better off I am. Because you love it. I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. And so that, that was one of my last questions I had. Um, I mean, you're young, man, you're going to put up numbers. If it were basketball that are going to be tough to ever beat. It's crazy, right. man. Congra yeah, I'm saying cool. congratulations. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. What but the cool know. thing is I've got this magical scenario where I'm getting to transition into like player coach. Right. Now that's what like makes the burnout not happen for me. Um, so, you know, if I don't have a, a great song for Kane Brown, but I've got a writer that does and I can help them, you know, finish it, even if I'm yeah. not on the song, just help them be like, Ooh, what if y'all tried this or, or even trying to get, 
you know, also love the, the matchmaking part of this thing, you know, as a publisher at tape room, um, what Blaine and Kelly are amazing at is finding like, you know what? I think if these three people got together mm-hmm. and aimed for this, something magical would happen. And that's happened uh, several times. I think this introducing this new person with this artist and me would, would be great. It would, it would bring something new to the table, something fresh. So we always try to keep it, you know, keep it new and fresh. I don't do like regular dates with people or anything like that. I've never, I've never been one to do that. Um, even if we're successful at it, cause I never want it to just be a routine. I want it to be something different all the time. So my schedule's all over the place and I like it that way, you know, but um, yeah, if we're not doing that, then we're thinking like, all right, we could put this out on our, on this artist, or we could actually make this whole record and do this or find this new writer or um, do this deal or whatever. So I, I love kind of, hitting on all cylinders from the business side to the, to the creative side and everything in between. Awesome, man. I have written that. Well, Amy, I had asked Amy for a question or two for you too. She wanted to know, uh, do you have a handful of your absolute favorite songs? Yeah, there's, maybe, there's, maybe not even songs that were as big a hit as other songs. Right, right, right. Um, like I lived it as one of my favorites always, you know, my first like really, really big song um, that was like ask single of the year or whatever it was, was you're going to miss this. Yeah, Trace Atkins, and that's, yep. that's been a while now. It makes me feel that's a great one. Um, so that that's always going to be one of my favorites because it actually happened. So it came from a real story, right? You know, where, where the repair guy came over and that bridge was like an actual thing that, that turned into a reality. And so if that song comes on, then it's literally about my kids, and I think that's fun. You know, it's fun for them to to be able to kind of own that and right and the effect that, that song had. So I'll always. I'll always kind of lean on that one. There's songs like um, Marry Me, mm-hmm. Unforgettable, that we wrote on the same trip with uh, Thomas Rhett that were really great impact songs. And, and that one was really fun because, you know, Thomas and Lauren are like this perfect couple all in love. And it was it was really fun to to write a song about the anti that, you know what I mean? About him, mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. you know, her being with somebody else and you looking right. at it the other way. So anything unexpected like that from an artist, I think is really fun. Uh, Remember You Young was a really special one. That was an emotional one when we wrote that um, on the bus late one night and reworking that whole song. Like we completely tore it down and and went a different way with it. And that was that was really cool. But also, um, it's funny because like sometimes it's usually usually people think of ballads or sentimental songs, but there's songs like That's My Kind of Night, Luke Bryan. One of my favorite favorite co-writes of all time. And people, you know, obviously people thought either one way or the other about that song when it came out. But I was really proud. I was really proud of like pushing the envelope a lot with that song, like like that song or T-shirt or some of these songs mm-hmm. that I, I think introduced like some different rhythms and different you know melodic things that were just so fun in the right. You know, a lot of the Luke stuff in that Crash My Party era, um, I'm proud of like played again and uh, you know Crash My Party. Th- those kind of songs right there that I, I feel like just really helped you know take him to the stratosphere. It's fun to be a part of those songs that right. kind of kind of just get somebody and then you get to go to the show and hear two or three of them in a row and everybody's singing them. Um, those kind of anthems are really yeah, fun for me. That's career songs for guys. Yeah. Career like, songs. Like, or like dirt on my boots was one. Which, that uh, one. And that was like up for song. Obviously didn't win. I've never won like song of the year to see him anything or anything like that. I'm not, I don't get uh, all the votes of those things, but um, that one was really fun because that song, we literally just wrote it. I didn't even know John Party took outside songs. Blaine Rhodes, who works for me right now, was like, hey, I'm going to pitch this to John Party. I'm like, oh, will he even take outside? I didn't even think about him at the time. And then he cut the record very different from the crazy demo we did on it, and they just nailed it. 
And I was like, God, this sounds amazing. I mean, they really tailored it so much to him and it became a big song for him. And I, I still love the magic of, I love working with artists, but I love when you create a song and then it just finds its way to the exact right home sounds perfect and becomes a career song for that person. I love that. That's like the magic in the process. I think that I, that I love the most, but um, yeah, yeah all, those, all those songs, there's a song, Chase Rice, Eyes on You that uh, did really, really well for him. And we were so dead set on trying to write a hit. And that, that song special because like it kind of is the demo, like what you're on the radio is just the okay. first time I sat down and played the, I was like, Oh, this would be a cool riff. And they just kept it, you know, on the piano. So I get to hear it and be like, Oh, that's me playing piano. That's cool. Um, and a lot, anytime I have an artist like first number one or like, or like a career song, like you're saying then that I really, you know, I really love that and get, get satisfaction from that. So I, I would say all those songs, they all kind of have their special place, but a lot, a lot yeah. of it's the story or the scenario or the co-writer or, a, you know, a great friend helping them, you know, have their success. So I, I love some of those writings, some of the carry hits, um, the stories are, are really fun. Well, and there's such a wide variety of songs you have. I mean, some of them are heartfelt and can make you cry. You have a lot of songs that are tempo and for my money, that's harder to write than anything. It is, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. now maybe it's I'm different, but I don't think I am. Don't you think? I think oh, writing a, a tempo song that's not goofy, that works, but that can be fun is one of the hardest things there is to do. Yeah, it's the biggest challenge. I mean, if you can write a song about nothing, which I've done a few times, you know, and it'd be a hit, mm -hmm. I think that's really, really uh, a fun thing to aim at. And especially, yeah, definitely. I, I tell new writers all the time, or if I'm doing a panel or something, um, you know, that, Hey, I could, I could probably write a breakup ballad on a piano pretty quick. Um, but for somebody to write something like body, like a back road, like I wanted that to win song of the year, you know, mm -hmm. because it's so hard to land on something that cool. Like you said, something that's not cheesy, but just has all these new dynamics and is like, has zero burn at all. It could come on the radio right. every hour from the rest for the rest of time. And nobody would complain. I think that is a special, you know, achievement. And I, I didn't write that song but got to publish it and just seeing those kind of songs happen. I do think that's harder. And the evidence for that is everybody needs it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that because it is harder. If you look at a pitch list or a pitch sheet there, it always says same thing, you know, hit tempo. Yeah. Because it's hard to write. It, yeah. They're hard to do. We're all sad souls, you know, songwriters. Right. It's easy for us to go there, but to go, right. to like, but to think about, you know, 50,000 people singing along, and it, it actually putting them, you know, a mood enhancer or a, uh, something that actually just makes you want to, you know, forget about all your troubles and stuff. Those kind of songs are really fun to aim for. Yeah, man. And you know something you said in the very beginning, and it's stuck with me through this whole talk. And I'm going to make sure I got it right. But you said you kind of grew up in the country, but you grew up listening to all kind of music, pop, yeah. you know, rock probably some country and I have a similar background myself so that you, you, you know, all the cowboy stuff. I mean, you, you grew up, I, right, yeah, I'm not we had, my, we had, I had horses and my uncle had cattle. I worked them. I did not consider myself. a. I knew all that stuff, but I didn't listen to that music. But right. I think that's a, I think that's a key for you because you have all these other influences you're drawing from, but right. you're completely rooted in country music as far as yeah. the life of it. Right. That, and that's just being fortunately 
born in a small town, just like these songs you're talking about right. you know, in the middle of Kentucky, where you did drive down back roads and you did go look at the stars and uh, do all this, you know, that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. Even though that stuff sometimes seems like people start to categorize it like it's a generic thing. Like we did that stuff. And right. so we can say it in different ways and it's hard to think that. So I'm thankful to grow up like that, but also to grow up DJing and, and being really a fan of hip hop culture and, and R&B music and all the, all those kind of the voicings and stuff like that, that I'll put in songs, I think come from being, being a fan of, of that kind of music. And I've always loved like pop music. Like I've always appreciated singer songwriters and stuff like that, but I've always thought, um, that the most fun or the most impactful songs are those songs everybody in the world knows, you know, everybody loves that's actually is like a number one thing or like a, a big, you know, career up tempo thing. So I've always loved uh, the impact of those songs and the way that, that hip hop and R and B can make you feel the kind of mood that it, that it can put you in and then putting a really, really country lyric. I like it. That's my kind of night or something like that, where mm-hmm. take some of those influences and then also talk about, you know, catching catfish catfish yeah so like all that stuff even if it's funny a little bit at the time or or uh (laughs) make somebody roll their eyes or whatever i I love the combination of that it's almost like the crazier the music the better and the countryer the lyric the better you know i think it i think that's a great example i love that song amy and i both love that song you you feel this sort of manic energy in it and it's great i love that country music is so rooted in that live show experience and yeah. it's a different so i approach it writing you know um from that perspective and i think other writers like new writers like you said that are listening should should think about that go to the show you know go to the shows i think the people right. that are writing the hits right now go out there and see it they love country they actually you know understand what's going on and it's really fun right now for me it's fun because we can you know i've got teenage kids and they want to go to these shows and they love country and concerts is what, you know, they love going to those and to be able to go and think that I'm having a hand in that person, being able to have a whole set, you know, that they can, that they can sing and get everybody jumping up and down is, is fun for me. That's awesome. Are you kids, uh, strictly country fans or do they like, uh, no, no, no. I mean, everybody likes rap right in the world. So yeah. I, yeah. My, my, I have teenage boys and they love rap. My 12 year old has my DJ equipment uh, set up, you know, yeah. in his bedroom because he thinks that's cool. It's so weird that I, you know, still got to do that you know i grew up when i was 12 13 14 doing that like the little turntables okay and I'm trying to mix stuff together and blend it and all that stuff and then we got me and jesse frazier um one of my best friends we got to open on the thomas rett tour a couple of years ago as just like a little two-man i felt like i was 16 like we right before he goes on we do like a set of old school hip-hop and try to blend it all in together and get everybody hype and then and then have a great country show so that's kind of been a full circle you know, doing that a couple of years ago was just like a whole full circle thing. Like I couldn't ask for it, you know, I'm done at that point. I got to do all the stuff I love um, in music, all the different kinds of, you know, traditional country mixed with really progressive stuff and was getting to play it there live and mess up uh, mixing and DJing and all that stuff. Like I was a kid again. So that was, that was a special time for me for sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Jesse's uh, well, he and Thomas Rhett, I mean, they brought a lot of that sound into country music, you know? And oh, yeah. Songs like Life Changes that's, uh, you know, is basically him rapping verses and like mm-hmm. some kind of weird trumpet right? and all this stuff. And the fact that that still, you know, worked and that he could be that open and that personable. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what makes me tick is like the challenge of, okay, what, what should this artist do that they haven't done before, but still their brand 
but also pushes, brings in some new fans, but doesn't lose the old ones. Just that whole kind of puzzle right. piece. Um, the mystery of all that is really fun when you land on it. Sometimes it's accidental. Sometimes you, you just nail it. But um, I love working. That's the good thing about getting to work with artists is just thinking, trying to get in their head. Okay, if I was this person, if I had the talent to sing like this person, mm-hmm. <laughs> could you know be a star? What would I want to put out? And really kind of taking on that role like an actor and, and jumping in and really playing the part um, is how I see myself. I think that's there. another great note. Um, I have I one more question. Career. Yeah, go ahead. I want to just, and then I'll let you go. I know we've talked a long okay. time. Um, do you consider it uh, valuable the time you spent interning? being at these publishing companies, watching these writers, you know? Yes. Like the most valuable thing I've done. I mean, more than anything else, um, besides listening to music, you know, like crazy, the the combination of those two things, just because you get to hear, you know, especially, and that's where the tape room music, my company comes from. I worked in the tape room back then. We kind of graduated to CDs, but it was like, okay, you're going to get to, you're going to get to pitch this artist, probably three songs, maybe one sometimes on a cassette or on a CD. And so it's very important what goes on there, you know? So I was the one that would make those for like the pitch meetings. I would like, you know, so in my head, I'm like, okay, I've heard these hundred new songs come in in the last couple of weeks. I wonder why they're choosing these two or three songs to pitch to this person. Then I get to hear the demos and then I get to see, you know, who records what and what goes on to be hits. So, I mean, that's just like an irreplaceable um, learning, you know, situation there. So I, I would definitely say that influenced me, you know, the most was being able to work in that capacity and getting to hear the demos. You're getting to hear it go from work tape, you know, terrible work tape to really good demo to amazing record to, to number one song. And then I was able to go like, okay, why, why does this one stand out? Why is everybody pitching this one instead of these other 50 songs? You know, So I would say that was, that, that was like a, a great, and even when I wasn't interning there, I would have friends interning somewhere else and we'd go, you know, go over to a, uh, famous music and listen to Daryl Scott and Hillary Lindsay songs, you know, at 10 o'clock PM, just to hear demos, all these songs we thought were amazing, whether they, and some of them would go on and be huge, you know? Yep. Um, and that was just really fun. You know, I just think, I think writers do that, you know, they all kind of go into demo jail as we call it, where you kind of get in a situation where people are playing their songs to each other. Yeah. Um, demos. Yep. And you got to yep. do that. You, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's where somebody you get in that scenario nowadays at this stage where it's it's funny because I don't like to do that a lot because I'm still nervous about playing my songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then somebody, oh, listen to these last 20 songs I did. And I'm like, all right. Oh. And everybody just plays. So that's what we call it when it's a funny scenario. And everybody's that's, just, I love yeah. that. Yeah. That, I mean, I love that. that. That scenario is so fun. You know, late night on a bus or around a fire out yeah. here. Like, man, check out this new thing we're working yeah. on. Comfortable enough with the people and you know nobody's – judging it they're just excited about something they did that's kind of the square one root of this whole thing anyway is writing something that that you're you're really that excited about not even knowing how it happened like man i can't believe i wrote this how did this you know how did this even come to be i want to play it for somebody and uh you know listening to great songs say something i've never heard been said or have a melody that's that's insane i mean nothing nothing's better than that that's kind of the high of the whole thing hearing something to being like oh my gosh this is going to be massive you know whether i wrote it or not but yeah, it's invaluable to, to have that experience. Um, I think kids are in school now um, at Belmont or MTSU or wherever, or not even those schools, wherever. If they can get into a, a publishing company or work for a writer that, um, you know, has some elements that they want to be able to learn from, then there's no better, you know, 
no better place than that. If you're like the person that gets to type lyrics and enter songs into the system and hear these demos, all of a sudden you get a feel for like, oh, I think this one would be good for somebody. Or I think this mm -hmm. one is terrible. Or I think, you know, whatever. You all of a sudden you get, you get an ear, you know, which is yeah. take a long time to develop. So the more you can work in that and start to understand uh, what's great versus what's good, then, you know, the better off you'll be, whether you want to be a publisher, writer, record label person, or whatever you want to be. It's just, especially to be a commercial songwriter, it's so much more than I'm just going to write this song and, and then oh. here it is world. I mean, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but to, to, to be a commercial songwriter, it's, it's, it's more complicated. You know, you, you yeah, you, you can, you can be a songwriter or you can hopefully be a hit songwriter. And I learned right. a big difference in those, you know, in the beginning, I was like, if I can get anybody to pay me where I don't have to get a real job, um, then I'm killing it. You know what I mean? This is amazing. This $15,000 a year um, is epic. You know, and I, I still, that was still my favorite thing ever, even more than having hits or winning anything would be being able to write like songwriter on your taxes where it says occupation, um, that that was like my job. I, I was so proud of that and so excited about that. I still am. Like, I can't believe that, you know, that that's what we do for a living. And so just kind of taking that and then being like, okay, now, instead of just writing a song, you know, from nine to five and all right, that's a good song and go home, you know, understanding that, that, wow, that's not the gig, you know, it's not writing songs, it's writing impactful, um, you know, epic songs for these people that can change, change somebody's career path, change somebody's life. And that's yeah. a different task, you know. It certainly is. Well, man, I am going to let you go. And Ashley, I really appreciate your time, man. I think you just had like really really great things to say. And uh, I'm sure people are going to go back through this interview multiple times to catch every, <laughs> every uh, little nugget you had in there because you had a lot of them, man. So I just wanted to say congratulations. Not like you need that, but uh, man, what a career you've had so far. I can't wait to hear what you do next. I love the player coach thing. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think it's so great. I just couldn't be more impressed with you, man. And thank you for being on oh, the show. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that, man. Okay. Means a lot. Thank you. Thanks for All being right. on Pitch hey, List. Bud. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List, produced in partnership with the American Songwriter Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast or your preferred listening platform. And if you want feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. For exclusive content from this week's guest and more, you can visit our website at pitchlistpodcast.com or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. To hear songs written and or recorded by today's guest, check out this week's playlist by finding us on Spotify at Pitch List Podcast. Plus, don't forget to let us know on social media what songwriter, musician, or music business professional you want to hear from next. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.